0: All right, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I want to pick up where we left off two weeks ago. Pick up where we left off two weeks ago. And in James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse 12. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. I said it before, I'll say it again, and I don't think we can say it or recognize it too much. But verse 12 tells us that God understands what a temptation, temptation is. And you see his appreciation for those who resist temptation. So if you ever wonder sometimes, what's the use? Why not just give in to the temptation? Here's a good reason, because it'll put a big smile on God's face. And um, the Bible says there's a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And then verse 13 goes on to say, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And verse 14 reminds me that we need to have strategies concerning besetting sins. You have certain sins that you're more vulnerable to, then think of the who, what, where, when, why, and how of those sins. Just like, for instance, where is the place where I might be more prone to that sin? When is the time when I would be most prone to that sin? And uh, who is the company I might be keeping when I am most prone to that sin? And develop strategies to counter those things. Don't go to those places, don't be with those people, and watch out for those times. And so I'm reminded of strategies when I look at verse 14, because the Bible says every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And we see that phrase, drawn away, we're, we're being led to a direction and enticed. So it would behoove us to not put ourselves in the position where we can more easily be enticed and drawn away. Verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I think that is the definitive word right there on what sin has to offer folks. And in the end, look at that last word in the verse, it has to offer death. It has to offer death. The wages of sin is death. Lust, sin, and death, LSD. And then James goes on to say, Do not err, my beloved brethren. So I want to talk to you once again this morning about doors into darkness. I don't think anybody consciously says Hey, I want to enter into doors so I can go into places of spiritual, psychological, mental, physical, soulish darkness. Nobody would sign up for that if you're here this morning and you know Christ is your personal Savior. But there is this human tendency to do it to ourselves sometimes. And that's what I want to emphasize in this message is different areas where we tend to be our own worst enemy. And uh, take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I know we're going through a lot of Bible, and I know this message, this is the second week on it, probably going to be a third one, I won't likely get through all of these today, but I decided a long time ago, if we're into something where we're getting into the Bible a lot, that's not going to hurt us, it's only going to help. And I understand the entertainment value of just little sound bites isn't there. But uh, again, as a pastor, as a preacher, uh, I am not mandated to entertain. I am mandated to preach the word of God and to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And Paul goes on to say, for the day is going to come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. So, God bless you for being here this morning and wanting to hear the Word of God preached. Uh, It's a rare commodity. It's a rare commodity that is preached anymore. It's a rare commodity that uh, there are people that want the commodity. And so God has brought us here together for a very special time. It's a wonderful and precious thing that we're experiencing today together uh, as we worship the Lord and get into the book. And um, so it's with that in mind, let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and review something we already looked at, verse 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, patient, In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Besides that, this whole message is a sin-killing message. And you know there's not enough preaching against sin these days. There's more preaching about getting friendly with sin than there is against it. And so I just think that's to our benefit as well. But I want you to look at something here. Uh, Paul is talking specifically about lost people. And, um, and notice that he says that they, uh, in, that they um, uh, oppose themselves, verse 25, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, verse 26. Now, folks, uh, don't think that tendency... In the old man, to oppose ourselves goes away after you get saved. Uh, There's something in us that tends to be our own worst enemy about these things. And it was there before we got saved. And unfortunately, it remains there in the person of the old man. And it's something we have to fight against. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice this exhortation by Peter. And 1 Peter chapter 2 in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, Peter says this, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. What's Peter saying here? He says I ex- I exhort you I uh, beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. We're in a dangerous place. Paul called this world this present evil world, and we are strangers to it. We are pilgrims in it, and there are fleshly lusts that we are being tempted with all the time, and the sad thing about these things, when we give into them, what happens is we open up warfare against our own soul, and we, in other words, we start opening these doors into darkness. And then we're walking around saying, I feel sick when we're holding a bottle of poison in our hand. And uh, the thing we need to do is put the bottle down and don't go back to it, folks. It's really that simple. Uh, You may want to play with sin, but keep this in mind. If you're playing with sin, sin's not playing with you. And so this is a tendency we have that we need to fight against and we need to understand what it's all about and i said to you last time this is something i think we always need to keep in mind when temptation presents itself look to the end of sin look to the end result of sin not not the temptation not the pleasure of it that's being presented to us at the moment but look past that and realize that there is an end to these things and they're not good In fact, the Bible says of the strange woman in Proverbs that her end is bitter as wormwood. And so, uh, young men are warned about the strange woman in Proverbs to look past the enticement to the end. And the end is bitter as wormwood. Uh, Many a man has given up career, family, Uh, respect his life over a few moments of pleasure in a fling with adultery. And so we're warned to look to the end of things. Now, let me say this, during the course of this message, if you find that you've opened some of these doors, apply God's reset button. Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and some of you already know where I'm going with this, but let's turn there anyways. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, and let's look at the verse. I know the verse by memory, frontwards, backwards, inside out, but I want to look at it myself. Remind myself in verse 9, if we confess our sins, now that's the big if. We need to confess them and not justify them anymore. Don't keep telling yourself it's okay. Don't keep telling yourself it's okay because you can control it. <laughs> no, you can't. Don't tell yourself it's okay because it's not as bad as what brother so-and-so is doing. Don't say. Don't tell yourself it's okay because brother so-and-so is doing the same thing and he's getting away with it. Don't tell yourself those things. Just confess your sins to the Lord. And, and folks, if God wanted us to forgive one another 70 times 7, then how many times do you think we can come to him with something? Amen? <laughs> he sets the bar for himself a lot higher, believe it. And so uh, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Think of that one. He is faithful and just. Faithful and just to do what? To, to, uh, to forgive us our sins. Okay, we think of God as faithful and just. We think of the surety of that promise of who he is. And he is faithful and just. It's it's a sure promise that if we come to him with it, see, the devil will sit on your shoulder and say, ah, you can't go to God with that. You've done that too many times. And you quit that sin a month ago, and here you are again. Just give it up. You know what God says? Don't listen to that voice. Don't listen to that voice of self-condemnation. Don't listen to those satanic voices. Don't listen to the voices of others that would say there's no hope. God says there is hope, verse 9, to forgive us our sins and, watch this one, to cleanse us from, look at that next little three-letter word, all unrighteousness. And you might say, well, things could never be the same between me and God after I did that. God says otherwise, folks. This is God's reset button. So if you find yourself in any of these stories, if you find yourself having opened one of these doors into darkness, then get with the Lord, confess it to him, and ask him by his grace to help you close that door once again. And live in the light. Live in the light. Not in the darkness, folks. That's what we want. That's who we are. We're children of light. And God doesn't want us to walk around feeling depressed, empty, hopeless, and even suicidal because of practicing sin that is fleshly lust that wars against the soul. He wants us to have victory and walk in the light and bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, And temperance and folks anybody in this room this morning anybody looking in live stream you're bearing those nine fruit you're gonna be your best you that's for sure and uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy life and enjoy what Jesus called the abundant life but we need to keep in mind that in order to have a good garden we need to hate weeds And that's what we're doing here this morning. We're pulling some weeds because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And when we involve ourselves in some of these things we've been talking about and will talk about, what we're experiencing that brings us down and makes us feel so sick spiritually and otherwise is we are experiencing that death that is part of the process of sin. Now, the first door we looked at was the door of the occult. And you say, man, what Christian would get involved in the occult? Well, we're going to cover yoga a little later. (laughs) Just in case some of you were wondering. But uh, no, even direct occult. Who would do that? And folks, I'm finding with the darkness that our culture has shifted over to in entertainment and in education and in rotten liberal religion and on down the line that that evil has been packaged up to look cute and entertaining can you say Harry Potter right and look at the fixation that our culture has with Halloween over the other holidays like Thanksgiving and even Christmas it seems so we have a, a culture that's drifted toward the dark side and so it, it, it's not unheard of to find Christians practicing things that belong within that category. And that is certainly a door into darkness. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about horror movies. We talked about horror movies and, and, the, uh, and, and the, the thrill that people get, the adrenaline rush. And then it, it morphs into other things and it gets out of control. And that's a door that'll bring you into darkness. We talked about drugs. We talked about drugs, and the same geniuses that said, hey, legalize alcohol and it will get rid of the problems of alcohol are saying the same thing about drugs, but not just about marijuana. We got states now that, want, that are legalizing heroin, and, and now, oh, forget it, uh, the psychedelics, the mushrooms, the peyote, the mescaline, the LSD. That'll really reset your brain and get you nice and sane and mellow and straightened out and help you make good decisions. <laughs> so they want to open all those doors as well, folks. And uh, legal or illegal, it's still a door into darkness. We talked about certain music, especially rock music, certain beats and stuff can get you into a hypnotic trance. And what those trances do is they invite spirits to wreak havoc in your heart and mind and literally your soul. We talked about that. All right, I wanted to talk about another one this morning, if you'll take your Bibles and go to Isaiah chapter five. And this is one that the Christian culture in our country is really getting chummy with, and has really decided that the old-timers were wrong, and you know, we got it right now. After all, who wants to be old school? I do. i sign up for that. When people tell me we're, I'm old school, most of the time I consider it a compliment. And that is alcohol. Alcohol consumption. Now listen, th- for those of you that aren't familiar with your Bible, or those of you that have been saved a long time and don't really read your Bible, try to consider something this morning. I didn't write this book. I just had the job of preaching it. And we don't want to leave parts of it out now, do we? Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 5 and look at verse 20. Isaiah 5 verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, in Proverbs, the king was warned about being in leadership and, and subjecting himself to the influences of alcohol because how it would cloud his judgment. And so we see that here in Isaiah 5. And then he says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. I've often thought, when I see that phrase, men of strength, I've often thought, that a lot of young men drink to prove that they're tough and then spend the rest of their lives trying to quit to prove the same thing. We're told in the book of Proverbs, look not upon the wine when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. And uh, I'm told that when you look at those big vats and with the fermentation on the top of it, uh, that, that... that bacteria is literally moving. It's live, and there's, there's a moving that takes place in there. When it moveth itself aright, the Bible's talking about that very phenomenon. And like I said to you earlier, the Christian culture these days is getting so friendly with it, they're coming out in articles with articles in Christian magazines about the addicted ministry. Men in the pulpit that have drinking problems... Because, you know, we've got liberty. We've got liberty. We've got liberty to drink. We've got liberty to get buzzed. We've got liberty as long as we keep the thing in control and uh, ask any alcoholic, any, ask anybody married to an alcoholic about controlling it. Ask them about it. And now we're coming out with articles about an addicted ministry and testimonies to that effect. And take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, and Proverbs chapter uh, 23, and Proverbs chapter 23, and verse 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babblings, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes. And by the way, this verse explains why Alcohol is such a a marriage and home record. Look at that word, contentions. Uh, They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Now watch this next phrase in verse 32. At the what? Last. See, that's what God wants us to keep doing. Look at the end of a thing, not the beginning of it. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beat me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? And there's the addictive nature of it. I will seek it yet again. And uh, I'm told that detox off of alcohol addiction is worse than detox off of heroin. And uh, the old saying was, he died with snakes in his boots. And um, just because alcohol is legal uh, doesn't make it right scripturally, folks. And so people will, will take it up as Christians to enhance their testimony Well, I want to just relate to people, but the reality of it is your testimony is upheld when you don't uh, drink in front of people, and they don't see you drinking, and, and you are an abstainer, because for many of them, they know what's in the bottom of that bottle. They've experienced that adder, that snake at the bottom of the bottle that the Bible was telling us about. And when they see you drinking, and they hear about your drinking, they think, well, he's no, bit, no better than me he doesn't have anything that I need he doesn't have anything that I don't have and so the Bible's very clear about this from Genesis to Revelation I'm not going to wear you out going from verse to verse to verse but that's a sampling and uh, we live in a current Christian culture that's gotten real friendly with alcohol under the guise or the idea of winning people and the reality of it is it's not It's the desire to get the buzz and to justify it. And the problems that it's wreaking, especially in the churches that are practicing this, are legion. I mean, I read an article not too long ago about a church down south, a huge church that's involved in a terrible scandal involving the pastor and a youth pastor over a fellowship they had at the church where alcohol was served And the youth pastor had a little bit too much to drink, got a little too buzzed, and got a little too friendly with an underage girl right across the table in the middle of the fellowship and wreaked an unimaginable scandal in the church. And this is all over. You know, it's okay if we can just control it. It's okay if we can control it to the point of bringing it into the church and bringing it into the fellowship. And the Bible's very clear on it, folks. The Bible's very clear on it. Let's look at another one. Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I can see we are just making friends as we go here. (laughs) Amen. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And this is one I don't like to talk about. I'm, I'm almost tired of talking about it, to be honest with you. But it's so pervasive and it's such a problem it must be talked about. And that's the problem of pornography. And folks, that is a door into darkness. That is a door into the darkness of your soul, guys. And so let's just be clear. Matthew chapter, chapter 6 and verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Fellows, what's at stake here is no less than our fellowship with the Lord, And your relationship with your wife. And you young men, your relationship with your future wife. There's no less at stake here than those things right there. And God talks about these things. He means business. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Psalm 101 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And for you men that have been to any of my sessions on pornography, that we take four Saturday nights and we go through it extensively, one of my goals is to get us to just hate this sin. Just to hate it. Just to do as the psalmist said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Folks, the porn industry is a broad stroke of the brush. And it also involves child pornography. It also involves human trafficking. It also involves uh, prostitution. It also involves people that hate God, that hate your Bible, and frankly, that hate you, and they hate your church. And they also hate this country, folks. Um, The psalmist said that I will not let it cleave to me. I will not let it cleave to me. Let me challenge you this morning. Uh, Pornography, if you break it down into syllables, porno, That's harlots, graphene, writing. It's the writing of a harlot. And so we have to look at the end of the sin. Her end, the Bible says, is bitter as wormwood. Uh, Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 15. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15, he says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but... He that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so, folks, our bodies are not our own anymore. Once you get saved, you're the Lord's. And some wise philosopher once says the duty of man is not to find his freedom, but to find his master. And as Christians, you have a master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And our bodies are not our own anymore. And as you look at verses 15 through 20, you realize God is serious about all this. Look at 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. What God is telling us in his word is he's he's serious about this. And, and, and guys and, and gals too, we'll talk about that later on, but if you can hit keep it hidden from man's eyes, there's a God in heaven that still sees folks. Who are we kidding? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, <clears throat> "Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, (coughs) I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So you see that intimate fellowship we have with the Lord, and And Paul is reasoning on the basis of that fellowship, why would we want fellowship with the uh, wicked idols of this world? And then he says in verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." And when I see Second Corinthians six verses fourteen through eighteen here, I think of the the wonderful intimate uh, relationship that God offers us, Him as our Father and we as His sons and daughters here, and why would I want to do anything that would disrupt it? The way pornography, frankly, does disrupt it. What's at stake again is no less than your fellowship with the Lord. Now, they've done all kinds of studies on the effect of pornography on the brain, not unlike they've done with drugs. And they find out that pornography is a desensitizer. It, it, it requires greater and greater lows of pornography, which are being invented every day, all the way to bestiality and God knows what, to satisfy the dopamine response as people are being desensitized with this. And they say it's basically a double drug cocktail because of the dopamine in the mind and the sexual response in the body. And let me say this without fear of contradiction, folks. Reality can never live up to fantasy. Reality can never live up to fantasy. And when you participate in fantasy on this level, then reality will never live up to it In plainer words, folks, it'll ruin your sex life. And they tried pornography geared toward women years ago with a magazine called Playgirl, but they found out it didn't work too well. So you know what the big thing is now for the gals? It's lesbian porn. It's lesbian porn. And if you're looking at that stuff, you need to repent of that and turn back to God and ask God to help you get the victory over that. Because that is definitely a door into darkness. I talked to our men uh, of testimonies, and the, and they're in the books. We have two of those books in the bookstore. But testimonies of uh, one young man testified to the fact that he got involved in pornography, soft pornography, so-called. He was completely heterosexual. And then he said he was fighting back... Um, um, homoerotic thoughts that he couldn't control anymore and what had happened to him he had opened up some doors folks God tells us to keep these doors closed for our own good he tells us to keep those doors closed for our own safety just like there's that double yellow line on the highway and if you're smart and you have your driver's license you don't drive on the wrong side of that double yellow line because it's dangerous Because you know a head-on with another vehicle at 50 miles an hour or more is likely going to mean everybody's life. And so God has these double lines on the road for us. All right, let's look at another one uh, this morning before we close. Uh, We've beat up on the guys enough. It's time to uh, give the ladies their due here. Uh, Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. And this isn't a problem exclusive to the ladies, but they tend to gravitate toward it. Men are guilty of it as well. And that is the problem of gossip. The problem of gossip. And today with social media, that problem is exacerbated. Back in the 1980s, the old preachers was, used to tell us, uh, us younger preachers, they had a saying. They said, telegraph, telephone, tell a woman." They had a saying among the preachers in the Baptist churches that during a church split, the women would make the bullets and the men would fire them. Well, these days with social media, the women are making them and firing them with a Gatling gun. And I'll be honest with you, I'm getting tired of hearing about Christians who come to church and they got their little halo all shined up and they got their Bible tucked under their arm and they are a super saint but then you get to their facebook page or some other aspect of social media and you would think that they were members of the occult or something it's like two different identities here all together and the stuff that gets played out on social media the the arguments and the contention and uh folks Don't come to church here looking like a saint and then putting out stuff that only an unsaved person would put out on social media and expect us to believe your testimony. And uh, folks, I think the biggest thing is the contention. The contention. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I don't know a better place to find fools that you can make friends with than on social media. Now, look, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, get rid of all the computers and get rid of everything. Uh, Preachers used to preach that about television years ago. It didn't work. Tech is a tool. And it can be used for good. And it can be used for bad. And just because you have a platform doesn't mean you should say everything you want to say or spill your guts all over the place for everybody to see him and hear him that's not that's not why that's there folks use it as a tool for if you want just put the gospel out tell other people about the love of god and the blood of jesus christ shed on the cross and his burial and his resurrection tell them about the abundant life tell them about the fruit of the spirit and stay out of all the arguments and quit worrying about your followers. The only followers you need are goodness and mercy, David said, "She'll follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You develop all these emotional hang-ups and pretty soon, you know, if somebody uh, unfriends you or something, you know, it's the end of life as we know it. And there's all these psychological problems that people are developing over this stuff. And um, too much egging each other on in social media and dualistic testimony, duplistic, if you will. Turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We live in this society, you see it all the time in the news. Well, we need to know. We have a need to know. You know, the people in the media demand to know. Well, who in the, eh, are they? Who are they? They need to know. What, what are they... If they think they're God, they should already know. You must tell, we need to know. No, a lot of things are left better unsaid, folks. James chapter 3, take a look at this here. James is very clear on this. Uh, James chapter 3, look at verse 7. James 3, verse 7. James warns us about the tongue. Now look, again, the tongue is a tool. It's a tool. It can be used for good or for bad. But it's, it's, it's something that's very dangerous if unbridled. And look what James says in verse 7. He says, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things uh, uh, in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So if if no man can tame it, where do we have to go for the taming? We have to ask God. We need his help. So don't assume arrogantly the way this whole current culture does, especially those that are so prone to be on social media, that I have a thought. The world needs to hear it. Maybe your thought was stupid. And maybe all you're going to do is put it out there so you can prove your stupidity to everybody. And then somebody responds in a way you don't like, and then you respond back at them, and then back and forth, and on it goes goodness. He says, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Uh, Verse 9, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. We got to go to God with these tongues, folks. We need to go to God. I I am especially aware of it ever since the day that God called me to preach. I realize standing here in this pulpit, having access to your ears and hearts and eyes like this, I have the potential of doing great good. I have also the potential of doing great harm. And just because I'm here and you're here doesn't mean I get to say whatever I want to say. I spend a lot of time in prayer every week. Lord, bridle my tongue. Guide me. Help me to say the things. Even when it comes from... (coughs) good better and best that's a difficult decision sometimes making sure you're getting to best what exactly it is God wants me to say not just something because it's good or even something that's even a little better or something because it's entertaining or something because (coughs) it'll cause somebody to laugh or whatever or like me or whatever no it's what is God's best in this moment how can I use my tongue To bring out God's best in this moment. That which we all need today. That's something we have to consider every day. And so let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Here's another one that I think we need to consider. When we consider our words. We've done a study on the subject of the tongue and the the subject of our words. And one of the things you find out is there's what I call a backflow to our words. When I speak a word out to you, it not only has an effect on you, it has an effect on me. Your words have not only effect on other people, but they have an effect on you as you speak those words. And so it's important that we keep that in mind. Look at First Peter chapter 4 and look at verse 15. Now again, we tend to You know, oh, yeah, preacher, that pornography, that's bad. And those drugs, that's bad. And the occult, that's bad. And those horror movies, that's bad. But, you know, when I want to sit down with some of the brethren and tell them what I think is wrong with brother so-and-so, that's okay. That's okay because I'm concerned. I'm doing it in love. I'm spreading prayer requests. Brother, I, I I hate to say anything, but we just need to pray. I'm concerned, and then out it comes. And like I said, with social media, it's just exacerbated it. And uh, take, taking what was firing bullets at one time and and turning it into uh, a, a Gatling gun, into a machine gun. Um, <laughs> my grandson was talking to me about some of his training in the infantry and he was talking about these different machine guns that they were using and he was telling me all about this one particular machine gun that he's very impressed with and he said grandpa he said we were out there the other day and he said we were laying down some pretty good hate with that machine gun he said we were laying down some serious hate and I can see that as a soldier can you with a machine gun, you got an enemy, you're trying to kill him, that's, that's what you're doing. You're not laying down love, <laughs> you know. You're not shooting at that guy because you're inviting him to a Christmas party. But folks, I'm afraid we as Christians do the same thing with our words if we're not careful. If we're not careful. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 4. But let none of you, verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer. <laughs> that's bad. Or as a thief. That's bad. Or as an evildoer. That's bad. Or as a a busybody in other men's matters. And that's what most of this social media is, is busybodies in other men's matters. And that's why all the contention. But let's not just pick on social media. Let's look at our own words as we speak words. Now, notice God lumping being a busybody with being a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Evil Notice that company. If we want to try to minimize the sins of the tongue. A Scottish proverb once said, Keep your tongue a prisoner and your body will go free. Better a slip of the foot than a slip of the tongue. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Oh, that the Lord would both open and shut our lips, for we can do neither the one nor the other aright if left to ourselves. Two ears and one mouth, hear twice before you speak once. And then James chapter 1, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And so now we have all these new psychological problems as a result of the technology and the social media. We got FOMO, FOMO-phobia, fear of missing out. Phone separation, anxiety, afraid of being away from the phone. An obstetric uh, obstetric nurse in Australia commented that after giving birth, young mothers and fathers these days are distracted by phones Facebook pictures and social media rather than spending that precious time bonding with their newborn baby now i'm no uh baby doctor and i don't know a lot about this but i've read in relationship to this there is a, a precious few hours between mother and baby right after that baby is born where some very serious important bonding can be done And what this nurse is saying is she's looking at a generation of young parents worrying about selfies more than that time of bonding. And uh, multitasking. Studies have proved that the human brain can do switch tasks, but multitasking doesn't work well with learning. Thus, grades have suffered. Uh, Kids' attention span has become very short. While doing homework, they're toggling back and forth from homework to Facebook to angry birds. This causes severe problems with focusing and grades do suffer. Multimedia use multimedia use has scientifically been proven to cause chemical changes in the brain and is connected to depression and anxiety. Uh, and on and on and on they go. And I showed you that video some time ago called... Uh, digital cocaine uh, by that guy Brad Huddleston, and um, he's a guy that's deeply immersed in technology. This isn't a guy that just, you know, crawled out from under an abacus, and uh, he talks about restoring the balance in the digital age, and um, he goes into it from one end to the other about this business. Of the effect that these screens have on us especially if we turn them loose on our kids when they're very young so what's God saying to us this morning folks we have words and those words have consequences those words have power those words have influence let's be careful that we speak the words that God wants us to speak amen let's be sure we do that because oftentimes I hear people say well I take that back well yeah you can try (laughs) You can try, but we all know that once we've said something, we've said it, and it's pretty hard to take it back. So let's speak to the glory of God, and let's speak to the edification of one another and to the salvation of souls. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word this morning, and Lord, we realize it's very clear about certain things, and Father, where I might have gotten in the way and muddied the water a bit, uh, pray, Father, that your word would come forth and shine into our hearts that we might walk in the light as we are children of the light in Jesus Christ and avoid opening those doors into darkness upon ourselves and upon others. And for this we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 553. Come thou found of every blessing, number 553. Would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer let's bow for prayer heavenly father we thank you for the truth of your word today father all of us can find ourselves if we're not careful into some of these doors of darkness father we pray that we would just always have our guard up be protected look out what the devil's trying to throw out in front of us in order to get ourselves caught into father for those that are caught in some of these uh, situations father that as was given today is that uh, repent of it, move on. Father, forsake it. Father, we thank you that you're such a gracious God. Father, we thank you for all that's been done and said. Father, we just pray we put application to what was given today. We sure thank you and love you for all you do. I pray these things in Christ's blessed name. Amen.